Well, we are going to continue with our summer shorts series, which if this is your first time here, it's just instead of doing like a long series, we're just having a, a you know one teaching a week that means something, and uh, and so today we're just going to continue with that with the title "Becoming an Unstoppable Force." Becoming an unstoppable force, and guys, one of my very favorite animals is the rhinoceros. I love, can you put that up there? I love rhinoceros. They are just beautiful animals. They're majestic, uh, and they're gigantic. Uh, They're basically a walking tank. And depending on the species, can go anywhere from about 1,500 pounds all the way up to the white rhino weighing over 5,000 pounds, which is bigger than a, weighs more than a full-size pickup truck. It's a lot of weight, and they carry it well. And uh, that's probably that's not why I like it, although I do relate to that. <laughs> but here's the cool thing about a rhino. They can run 35 miles an hour plus, over 35 miles per hour, moving that much weight. But the crazy thing is they can only see 30 feet in front of them, which means they reach their end of their field of vision in 0.61 seconds. All right? But it doesn't stop them from running. It doesn't stop them from going full bore. You're going to see where I'm going to go with this in just a second. And there's a couple reasons why it doesn't stop them. Because they're ready for whatever's coming. They're a tank. They have skin that in places is over two inches thick. Not to mention they have a giant horn sticking out of the front of their face. Which leads us to point two. Whatever's in front of the rhino has two choices. Get out of the way. Or get greatly affected by the... Rhino itself, right? There's no fear there. It's a beast. Here's the cool thing, too. They have great hearing. They can hear for miles. Even though their eyesight's not great, they can hear. And they listen. They're very attentive. And they're peaceful. They're docile animals until, until you mess with the herd. And the best part about it, their herd, a group of rhinos, is called a crash. (laughs) Isn't that just the coolest thing? I'm hanging with my crash, you know? All those things being said, and the reason I love rhinos, in fact, this little guy here is part of my rhino collection, my footstool that was given to me, and I, I have it in my office. And one of the reasons I love it is because that's the way I want to live out my faith. I want to live out my faith like a rhinoceros charging full bore, that unstoppable force. I want to be a rhinoceros Christian. Or really, what the Bible says, I just want to live for Jesus, like he's calling us to. That's what we need to be. That's what we're created to do, folks. And we'll come back to this in just a few minutes. One of my, one of my favorite books ever, and I highly recommend it. It's an easy read. And it's a great read. It's The Barbarian Way by a guy named Erwin McManus. Erwin McManus uh, is the guy who planted the church in L.A. called Mosaic that's become 
uh, just huge movement. He's a really wonderful author, very real, very down to earth. And his observation he made in this book was this. Perhaps the tragedy of our time is that such an overwhelming number of us who declare Jesus as Lord has become domesticated or, if you will, civilized. We have lost the simplicity of our early faith. And beyond that, we've lost the passion and the power of that raw, untamed, primal faith. We need to get back to that, guys. We need to get back, as, as John wrote in Revelation 2, our first love, which is Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you what, I've got to be honest with you. I'm guilty of this. I like comfort. I like just chilling out a little bit. But I do not want to be domesticated in my faith. I do not want to be civilized. Because here's why. The enemy hasn't given up yet. There are still souls that are lost. There are still hearts that are broken. There are still people in need of the gospel. And if we don't bring it, who will? In the movie Rocky Three, Rocky's trainer, a guy named Mick, played by Burgess Meredith, love that old curmudgeon, he says this, but then the worst thing happened that can happen to any fighter. You got civilized. I don't want to get civilized. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be out there pounding people over the head with the Bible. A couple of you, maybe. Man, I want to run. I want to run with purpose. I want to charge for it, and it doesn't matter what's in front of me. And unfortunately, American Christianity has become docile. We've become civilized, and we've become comfortable, and unfortunately, in a lot of places, we have become a religion. We keep forgetting that the kingdom of darkness is still moving. It's still stealing the hopes and the dreams and the souls of a people who need God's love. And it is time to live. It is time to step up the game. And we're going to step up the game like, like this guy. And I'm going to have him hold my book for me while we talk. Because it's closer than walking all the way back there. Well, let's talk about the rhino. And I'm, I'm going to use this as a little bit of a metaphor here. This is going to be my, my parable, if you will, today. Okay? Let's start with that first fact about, about rhinos, rhinoceros. They can reach speeds of over 35 miles per hour in spite the fact that they have poor vision and can only see 30 feet in front of them and they still run full force when it's time to run. And it's the same way with God. He doesn't always show us what is miles ahead or, or years ahead. He doesn't always even show us what's yards ahead or months or a couple weeks ahead. Sometimes it's just right in front of us, but it is always exactly what we need when we need it. If we just wait on Him. If we just listen to Him. Psalm 119.105. You've probably heard this before. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light. For my path. And 3,000 years ago, when this was written, a lamp was a very simple clay tool about this big that would fit in the palm of your hand. And it had a hole in the top that you put oil in, and another hole in the front that a wick stood out. And unlike the giant spotlights you buy at Walmart that are like the one million candlelight, or you know those for like camping, you like can peel wallpaper with that thing. 
This thing is not one million candlelight. It's, well, one candlelight. It has one wick. And it's just enough to light the path at your feet. His word, the word of God, is that light for us. We don't always get the full picture, but he has it. So do we trust him that he's going to guide us in the full picture? Second thing is that just like a rhinoceros, not knowing everything about everything all the time should not stop us from running. Granted, it's not always easy to live out our faith fully. It's not always easy to do that. That comes with risk sometimes. And Paul knew that. And Paul used that same metaphor of running several times through his epistles. And one of them was in his first letter to the Corinthians where he writes this, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but how many gets the prize? One. Run in such a way to get that prize. I do not run like someone aimlessly, he goes on to say. In other words, there's purpose there. There's a sense of purpose, of intention, of direction. We need to have that sense of purpose in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to have that intention when it comes to loving one another and caring for one another. Third thing about a rhino. They're ready for whatever's in the way. They're fortified. They're bulked up. They got that thick skin. They're ready to go. God has given us armor too, haven't He? We've spoken that several times here. Pastor Tom just did a series on the armor of God not too long ago. He starts out that passage with this. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. If the devil is planning and has strategies, goodness sakes, we sure better too. And part of that is equipping ourselves with that armor because the devil, guys, is real. He's not a story. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not some fantasy thing. He is real and he's moving and he still wants only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he does. But real quick review on the armor of God. If you forgot what it is, let's take a look at it out of that Ephesians 6 passage. The belt of truth, the breastplate or the body armor of righteousness that we put on, the shoes of peace for the readiness of the gospel, our shield of faith, our helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's equipping us. He's equipping us. He's giving it to us. We just need to put it on. We just need to put it on. Souls are being lost. It's time to armor up and get to the front lines, guys. Fourth thing about rhinoceros, they have a big old horn sticking out of the front of their face. Two of the major species of rhino, there are five, and two of them, the white rhino and the black rhino, both indigenous to Africa, don't have front teeth at all. Pretty harmless. They have these prehensiled lips that actually reach out and grab grasses and, and leaves and stuff and pull it in so their back teeth can do it. So they need a weapon. They need defense. And so God has created them with this giant horn. 
that's coming right out the front. And guess what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been given weapons too. And they're not of this world. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 says this, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And all this stuff we're talking about today is not just for the people who've been walking with Jesus their whole life. This is for you. This is your very first day you've ever been introduced to Him. He's offering the same thing to you. If you're going, man, that sounds great. I'm not ready for anything like that. No, you're not. Neither am I. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, through His armor, and the weapons that are not of this world, we're ready. He makes us ready. All we have to do is do what that last song said, surrender all. Suit me up, Lord. Right? Put us in. All righty. The fifth thing. And my favorite part about this, whatever's in front of the rhino better move. Or it will be greatly affected by the rhino. We've been equipped by the Father Himself, by the work of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus to greatly affect the world around us too. You know, unfortunately, some Christians in the name of Jesus have run over people like a rhinoceros and brutalized them. And there are people that have been hurt by the church. And our goal is to love them and restore them too. Because some of us have been them. But we're called to affect people, not with brutality, but the love of the gospel of Jesus. Ephesians four eleven through three, through thirteen. Sorry, typo. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip His people for the works of service. Guys, that's you. That's not just me. Just because I'm the guy that comes here, you know, every day and gets gets paid to do what God's called me to do, which is awesome, by the way. This is all us. If you are a Bible-believing, born-again, however you want to call it, Christian, if you are a Christ follower, you are called to these things. These are called spiritual gifts. And they come through the Holy Spirit. They're not of us. And we're all called to do these things. And there's more that are listed. If you like to, to finish this chapter and then also read 1 Corinthians 12, is a great place to see what the body of Christ is about and all the gifts that are poured out. But anyway, just to continue that, it says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's the whole purpose of it. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God wants the best for us. He wants us to be mature. He wants us to be built up. He wants us to be ready for whatever comes our way because He knows what's coming. And as you equip yourself, you find that you're in the battle a little more. And the, so you equip yourself a little more, and you find you're in a little battle a little more. And it's easy to sit on the sidelines and not become a target. 
but it's not much fun. And it's definitely not what God's called us to. That's not the abundant life that he's talking about, right? Abundant life he's talking about is that scene in Braveheart where they're like, ah, and they're running toward the enemy. Remember that? Woo, that's some life right there. Kilt's optional. <laughs> but when charging, the rhino becomes an unstoppable force, and we need to be that unstoppable force. What is stopping us? What's stopping us? Well, one of the things that stops us sometimes is fear. But as you know, number six says rhinos run without fear. They are ready to face the unknown head on. Bring it on. I get fear. Fear is brutal. Fear will wreck our lives and crush our souls. Fear gets us to do some of the craziest silliest, and I'll be honest with you, stupidest things, because I've been there and I've done them. Fear prevents us from doing the things that we're called to do. Again, I've been there and I've done them. And then the worst thing is when you don't do them, when you're called to them, then that starts breeding some guilt. And then you're like, why didn't I just do it? But there's always time to come back around and just... Bring it back up. Suit up again and let's go for it. It destroys our confidence. It destroys our ability to function as God intended. Guys, we are God's creation. We were created in the image of God himself to do the work of the kingdom. You think he's going to leave us alone out there? Hopefully, if you've been sitting in these chairs a while, you're going to know better than that. If this is your first time here, I'll tell you what. He ain't going to let you out there by yourself. He says this in Isaiah. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is for us. Who can be against us? God is for us. Who can be against us? Why don't you say that with me? If God is for us... Who can be against us? One more time. If God is for us, who can be against us? Y'all believe that? Okay, well, good. John writes in 1 John chapter 4, the perfect love drives out all fear. So if you struggle with fear like I have in the past, and like I still do, perfect love, Jesus' love, the power of Jesus' abundant life, is the only thing that will drive that fear out. Okay? And he'll do it if you just ask. If you just ask. All right? Number seven about rhinoceros. They have great hearing. They listen, and they notice things miles away. So my question is, do we listen to God? I mean, are we, are we really, are we really listening Are we really sacrificing a little bit of time every day so we can get together with the Father? So we can open his Bible and see what it says to us that day? Maybe you have a devotional like one of the Jesus Calling books. Whatever it is, however you get connected with Jesus, are you doing it? And if not daily, on a very regular basis. How do we hear God? It's by getting to know him. 
right? If you are, if you're a mom, if you're a mom and you've had your child out somewhere, maybe at, you know, the Walmart or Meyer somewhere and there's a lot of people around and they kind of get away from you and they yell your name, which is mom, which is the same name as like 2,000 other people in the store at the time. There's usually only one person that looks that way, isn't it? With intention. Now, a bunch of people probably look, but there's one person that looks and goes, that's my child, because they know their voice. Or better yet, when you were a kid and you were out playing, and your mom came out on the front porch, for those of you who used to play outside before all the, you know, um, <laughs> right? Tony, get in here! Man, I was like, yes, ma'am. Start walking there, and then when it goes to the, Anthony? Yeah, you start, you're, you start going a little faster. The middle name comes out, you just go the other way. Right? But in a crowded neighborhood where kids are playing and traffic's going by, you hear her voice and you know it. Or maybe for you it was your dad came out. When he spoke, you knew his voice in a big crowd. It didn't matter. Right? In the same way, that's how we know God's voice is because we know God. In John 10... There's a story called the Good Shepherd. God is our Good Shepherd, and it says this about him. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep. Notice he says calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he's brought them out, when he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Because they know his voice. That's why we follow God. Because we hear and we know his voice. And if you don't know God's voice, there are three words that will help you. Practice, practice, practice. Just get together with them. Just like you would, you know, when you were dating your, your, your spouse. Or maybe you're dating someone right now. You get together with them. The more you get together, the more you know their voice. He goes on in this passage, though, to say this. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. We are created to know the voice of God. There's something in us because we're made in his image that is sparked when God calls our name. It's all National Geographic uh, special. I love those documentaries and stuff on those seals. And when the seals come in and mate, the beach is covered. And to me, they all just sound like, ur, 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 right? <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> um, and the crazy thing is, they all sound the same to us, but those baby seals, from the time they're born, know. And in the same way, there's something inside us, something instinctive that was placed in the heart where we were created to know the voice of the Father. And he protects us, and he guides us, and he directs us. And all we have to do is follow. That's kind of where the rub, rubber hits the road there, isn't it? We have to follow. 
8. Rhinos are peaceful, docile animals until you mess with them or their herd. Don't mess with the crash. And then they become the unstoppable force. Pete, granted, hey, peace, which they are also, is a crucial part of our life as believers. It's considered one of the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit that are listed in Galatians 5. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, we are not called to be docile. We're not called to lay down. And understand that this does not contradict our need for the peace of God because it's that peace that gives us the focus to fight and the will to go forward in that fight. It's where we derive our strength. Spiritual warfare is the whole reason He gave us the armor and those weapons. And in that same chapter, Ephesians 6, where He talks about the armor of God, He says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, if you stop and really think about that, seriously, if you just really stop and you read that verse and really think about it, it'll really scare the poop out of you. It'll scare the living daylights out of you. That's probably a nice way to say it. Don't read this in a dark room. It's a scary thought. It is overwhelming. And there's just, you're going, there's no way I can face this. How do you face the armies of darkness? Well, you don't face them alone. You don't face them alone. And we were never called to face him alone. We got each other. We got our herd. We got our crash. Right? Do me a favor. Just take a second. Look around you. I'm not going to ask you to talk to anyone. Don't worry. It's okay. Got my space. Not going to ask you to move. I know you got your Sunday space. But just look around. Seriously. Look, look beyond your family. Guys, this is your crash. There's God. There's your, your spouse and your family. Here's your extended family, guys. We're your herd. We're your crash. This is what it is. And when the devil comes against it, it should tick you off. I'm not kidding. It should, I'm not saying, oh, it should really make you uncomfortable. No, it, it should really tick you off. When, when the devil messes with my herd, mm, mm, I can't even talk on that one. But we need to ask ourselves these three questions when he comes against our crash. Is this, one, are we willing to push back? Are we willing to get off our behinds and push back? Two, are we equipped to push back? Have we put on the full armor of God? And three, are we ready to become an unstoppable force for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't mess with my herd. I love you guys. I love you guys. I pray for you guys regularly. I know Tom does the exact same thing. He is a faithful man of prayer. And he prays for you. We pray for you. We adore you. You're our herd, man. We love you guys. You're our family. Now, one of the things I didn't mention in the the opening about the rhinoceros is its name. Its name literally means, rhinoceros literally means nose horn. 
Not a lot of gray area there, right? Now, granted, it didn't name itself. Someone, you know, said, hey, it's a nose horn. Boom, there you go. Comes from the ancient Greek, rhino, meaning nose. Like if you get a nose job, it's rhinoplasty. Isn't that attractive? I'll have the rhinoplasty, please. <laughs> and sero, meaning horn. So think about that next time you read about Sereno de Bergerac. What? Seven light bulbs just went on. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. No way. A rhinoceros's name tells us exactly who it is. When someone calls you a Christian, does it tell them exactly who you are? When you call yourself a Christian, does it tell you who you are? Now, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. I am an Ohioan. When someone says O-H, I say, y'all people crazy. (laughs) Ohioan, it has that suffix like Cincinnati-in, Grove City-in. It means that I am of it. I am from it. I'm part of it. Just like Christian, I am of Christ. I am for Christ. I am part of Christ. I am part of the body of Christ. And it was first used in the, if you want to know where I was first used, it was used at the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And it was not meant as a nice thing. It was meant kind of sarcastically as a mean thing. Oh, look at those guys. They think they're like Christ. Ooh, aren't they the big Messiah people? That's what Christ means is Messiah, right? It wasn't meant as a nice thing. Because what it meant was that person, that person, just like Charlie, when he gave his life to Jesus, got a new identity. That he is like Christ. That he is of Christ. Just like a tool. Brother, when you gave your life to Jesus, you became a Christian. You became of Christ and with Christ. We are of Christ. And just like that, what our name is should tell who we are. And some people don't use the word Christian. That kind of came out of favor now. It's not trendy, so we use Christ follower, follower of Jesus. Whatever your thing is, it should mean exactly what it says should mean exactly our identity has been changed if someone wants to call me a christian boom i'm i'm all for it because i never changed my identity but he did when i gave my life to him he 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 took off my soiled rags and he put on his white robe and every time i soil that he gives me a new one has nothing to do with me. It's all him. That's it. That's what a rhino is. It's what we're called to be. That's the parable. It's who we are. It's time, guys. It is it is time to trade in our mundane, tired, sad concept of religion for a vibrant abundant, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm serious. It's time to start living. Existing's fine, but man, I want to live. I want to live for Jesus. I want to go full force for Jesus, and I don't care what is in the way. I want to be that unstoppable 
force for the gospel of Jesus. Okay? Now as a band comes up, I'm going to give you a little reality check. So band, come on up. That's your cue. Okay. Two of the most terrifying words that Jesus ever uttered in His ministry. Two words. One, come. The second, go. Jesus said, come and follow me wherever I go. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's, it's worth it so much that in his day, 12 men gave up everything they were to follow him. You notice he didn't say, hey, come say a prayer and then get your life saved and then just go on with life like you did before. He says, you leave all that behind and you follow me. And that's what life with Jesus is about. Then, then he gives us this amazing commission. Some people call it the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, he says, Go, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. I am with you. He says, go, but know when you go, you're not going alone. I got your back. Guys, there's a spiritual battle going on. There are people right outside our doors here. There are people right outside your doors in your neighborhood that are dying. That souls are being crushed. They're in captivity. And we don't say anything because we want to respect them. We don't say anything because we don't want to offend them. Well, we need to respect the way they are. Guys, we're going to respect them right into the gates of hell. Sorry, it's a reality check. We have got to be the hands and feet of Jesus to this world. We've got to share the gospel. The way we live our life needs to be a living gospel. It's who we are. I'm not a yeller. I'm not a screamer. I'm not going to yell and scream at you and tell you to go do it. But go do it. Don't get civilized. Don't get domesticated. Remember that day, and maybe it was here, maybe it was somewhere else, where for the very first time, Jesus, come into my heart. I will follow you. You remember how you were that next week. People couldn't be around you. Turned into one of them Jesus freaks. Right? Remember that first love. He's worth it. He is absolutely worth it. Right? All right. Let's worship.